Welcome back to Casting Call. I'm your host, Jonathan Goldstein. This is the third episode in our series. And, spoiler alert, here comes a spoiler alert. There are lots and lots of spoilers ahead. So, if you missed the earlier episodes, hit pause and begin at episode one. A few months ago, we teamed up with Squarespace for a competition to find the next great podcast host. We narrowed down the field of over 5,000 entries, and in the last episode, you heard the judges choose our top three finalists, the finalists who will each make a pilot of their show, and one of whom will win their very own miniseries produced by Gimlet. You'll get to hear those pilots in the coming episodes, but before we get to those, Let's meet these aspiring hosts and find out why they decided to ditch their boring, comfortable lives and take a chance on the razzle-dazzle of podcasting. And by the end, you'll be razzled as well as dazzled. All right, so who are the three finalists who won our judges' hearts? There's Natalie Parrott with Our Allowance. She wants to create a show that transforms the public discourse around people of color and their relationship with money. I'm Natalie Parrott, the host of Our Allowance, a podcast that talks to black and brown folks about money, how we feel about it, how it affects And Anna Ladd with An Exciting Business Opportunity, a podcast about multi-level marketing, or MLMs. If you're unfamiliar, these are companies like Amway or Herbalife or whatever other thing your high school friends are messaging you about on Facebook. Hey, hun, it's me, your acquaintance from high school. We haven't spoken in nine years, but I have an exciting business opportunity for you. Just sign up under me and you can work from home. Set your own and finally, Deborah Jarvis, who wants to make a podcast called The Final Say, a show that interviews people who are facing death. We need to learn how to talk about this, not just for people who are dying so they have someone to talk about, but because my conversations with people who are facing death have helped me seriously live a much richer life. Without further ado, let's meet these freshly minted stars and find out what pulled them towards podcasting. First up is Deborah. Deborah is 64 and lives in Seattle with her husband, Wes. She's an ordained minister and worked as a hospice and hospital chaplain for over 20 years. Her experiences as a chaplain are the inspiration for the show. Deborah has paired up with producer Julia Batero to transform her idea into a pilot. In July, Julia flew out to Seattle to kick off production. Okay, just arrived in Seattle at Deborah's house. About to say hello. Good to meet you. I feel like I know you. I know, I know. After that warm welcome, Julia sat down with Deborah to learn more about her. So so tell me a little bit more about your career and how you came to be doing what you were doing. What were you doing before you became a a hospice chaplain? So I was working in a hospital as a phlebotomist. That's right. And a cardiac tech. So I draw people's blood. I would go in and do their EKG. And at the end of the year, my supervisor would always go, well, Jarvis, you know, you're a good tech, but your productivity is really low. 
because you need to spend less time listening to the patients and just get the blood, get the cardiogram and get out. And I thought, that's the best part of the job. That is absolutely the best part of the job. Deborah loved spending time with her patients. The other parts of phlebotomy, not so much. So, at the suggestion of a friend, she decided to become a chaplain and got ordained. Her work in the ministry often put Deborah face-to-face with death, and when she talks about it, it doesn't take long for her to dive right into the heavy stuff. My biggest memory of death is being on call and being called in the middle of the night to come and baptize twins that were dead. And they were the most perfectly formed little babies. It was just, I couldn't stop crying. I knew because I had a lot of intern colleagues who were Catholic that baptizing somebody who's dead is like, no, you don't do that. So I knew I was kind of breaking the rules, but I didn't care because I wanted to say, if you had been with this young couple, with these parents who were just sobbing, it was so important to get those babies baptized because they didn't want them to go to hell. It's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And you mentioned that you had cried too. And I, and, I, and I was just thinking that to me is surprising because I, I just thought that chaplains aren't supposed to cry. They're supposed to be like the rocks. Right, right. And what do you feel about the idea of crying so, in front of people? Yeah, so, I, you know, I never get hysterical where you're going to have to hand me a boatload of Kleenex to take care of myself. But it's a way, to me, when it's authentic and real, of saying to you, I so deeply empathize with you, and this is a deeply tragic and sad situation. So I don't have a problem with crying. People would say to me, oh my God, Deborah, how do you do this work? I mean, what's your secret? And I'd say, Lancome waterproof mascara. <laughs> Honest to God, I couldn't do it without it. While Deborah might be up for the heavy stuff, she knew her patients weren't always quite ready. So she came up with strategies to broach these difficult conversations. She found humor to be helpful and tried not to lead with the fact that she was a chaplain. I would come into a patient's room and and I'd say, so what brings you to our fine establishment? I know it's not the lunches. And then they would totally start laughing. And then we'd start talking and they'd say, oh, I'm here because I've got, you know, stage three breast cancer and I'm doing chemo and then I'm going to have a mastectomy and blah, blah, blah. And this is my daughter and, you know, DDD and I live here. And then we're talking and like 15 minutes goes by and they go, oh, who'd you say you are again? Like, oh, I'm the chaplain. And then it was like, uh, uh, oh, it's too late now. We've bonded. So why do you want to do this podcast? <laughs> so what led you, I guess a better question is like, what led you to, um, to this idea and to this podcast? Like, what's the purpose behind it? I was always shocked at how difficult it was for people to talk about death. They couldn't do it. They stumbled over it. They would say things like, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe I'm dying of cancer. And I'd say, well, what did you want to die of? They'd go, what? Well, I never thought about it. I mean, I'm looking at somebody who's maybe, I don't know, 80 years old. I'm like, dude, really? You never thought about death? (laughs) That, like, blows my mind. And you're 80. Holy cow. And it would be so difficult for people to say die. So they'd say passed on or you know, faded away or, uh, and it just made things so difficult and they would be so awkward about it. And I thought, wow, 
what can we do in this culture to advance the conversation around death so that people can see we can talk about it without bringing it on, right? Because, hey, you know, if talking about it brought it on, I would be dead a long time ago. The next step for Deborah and Julia is to find someone who's willing to open up about their experience, about facing death, and what reflecting on their life has taught them. Now, on to another light topic. Money. Doubloons. Wads and wads of cash. That's the topic of 32-year-old Natalie Pert's show, Our Allowance. To achieve her show's mission, Natalie is spending two days a week in production at the Gimlet office. During the rest of the week, she's at her day job at a nonprofit, or you might also find her reading tarot cards and writing ghost stories, two of her favorite hobbies. She's paired with producer Jorge Estrada to develop her pilot. Here's Jorge. So let's start off with the basics. Can you state your name, age, and where you're from? My name is Natalie Pert, and I am 32 years old. I was born in Trinidad and Tobago and raised in South Florida. What's like the mission of our allowance? I think we live in a, I mean, we're in a a very resource-rich country, and there's such great unequal distribution of those resources. And so I'm I'm kind of interested in in exploring that. Uh, And then that, I think that affects Black people and people of color much differently. I think I'm trying to take large topics and personalize them. And I'm also just curious about how, how people get by. Where did the idea for our allowance like come from? Like what, I guess, inspired it? I think because I found myself asking people, I was just having just trouble with money, whether it was like accruing debt on a credit card or saving or just, I was like, I don't, why is this hard? Like this shouldn't be a hard thing to manage and why am I having a hard time with it? And I think it's something we don't talk about because I, I think we're, you know, I remember being told as a kid, like, you never ask somebody what they make. Like, that's a that's a rude question. I remember once at a, one of the jobs I worked at, I was like, I think we should have pay transparency. To see. How'd that go? <laughs> I think I, they're like, no. <laughs> you know, just, it was like, that's not happening, you know. But, <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it's kind of a problem when you can't ask your coworkers, like, how, how did you negotiate for a raise? Or did you ask for a raise? You know, I, I don't think we're, me and a lot of people I know weren't taught how to do do things like that. So then how much do you make? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Money is something that has always played a big role in Natalie's life. She's a child of immigrants who put a lot on the line to come to the United States. They wanted a better life for her, stability, success, But as someone who's drawn to creative pursuits, she hasn't always valued those same things, a fact she sometimes struggles to explain to them. Not really a question, but as we were switching studios a couple seconds ago, you mentioned something about your parents and this particular contest. That I haven't, that I've kind of, I've kind of told them. I've told them, I just, I'm not sure if they quite understand, and I don't think I've done a a good job of explaining what I'm doing. If you won... And, like, we're just called up your mom and dad and we're like, Mom, Dad, like, I won this podcast competition. Uh, I'm getting a series at Gimlet. What do you think their first response would be? Oh, that's great, honey. Like, 
what is that? Like, <laughs> probably something like that. They'd be like, what's um, a gimlet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know. It's actually more stressful for me to talk about it. And I think it's just a lot to like process this. It just, it feels like a, it feels like a little bit more stressful. And I think because there'd be like a lot more explaining. What's stressful? Just having, maybe having the conversation. I think I don't want them to ask me like, what are you doing? And what are you doing like in a more like a, in a bigger way, like what are you doing with your life, like in an existential way? I don't want to answer that. That's you, a lot. What are you doing with your life? Stop it. <laughs> um, what am I doing with my life? You don't life? have to actually answer that question. I was just kidding. <laughs> like that's a big question. And what is Natalie doing with her life? At least for the time being, she's attempting to change the conversation about money and people of color. To recap. Deborah Jarvis, host of The Final Say, says we need to learn about death to live better lives. Natalie Pert of Our Allowance says we need to rethink our relationship with money for that to happen. But then, there are some people who say you can achieve a better life with herbal supplements, or essential oils, or even leggings. And the people who say that might be in a multi-level marketing company which is exactly what our last finalist show is about. Introducing Anna Ladd. Her podcast is called An Exciting Business Opportunity. Anna is 24. She's an artist, just finishing up grad school. And she isn't new to podcasting. She's been putting out episodes of her independent show, OK, But Who Cares, for over a year. It's a podcast about the internet. And get this, it's available on the internet. Here's a clip from the internet. Hey there, happy Saturday morning. Unless it's any other day of the week and you don't listen to these immediately after I upload them, then never mind, no greeting for you. This is OK But Who Cares, a podcast that is usually about the ruckus of the internet. If you like the Facebook page and leave a review on there or on iTunes. Anna's modem is always connected. She often finds herself deep in internet rabbit holes. And the subject of one of her favorites is MLMs. But like many topics on the World Wide Web, the discussion of these companies can be pretty polarized. We spoke with her about this before she arrived at Gimlet to begin production. The discourse is either like, this product is my life and I love it, or this is really stupid and bad. And the, the middle ground is where it's interesting, where you can like learn more about the people who do it and their life and what brought them to this thing but also want to learn more about um, like the claims of the company and how maybe they're actually hurting people and kind of show um, like the dichotomy between those things. She told us how she plans to strike this balance. Instead of coming in with an angle, it'd be more just, to me, it's like showing up. And if this thing actually helps you and gets you rich quick, that would be awesome. Like I would love to those things to happen to me. So it's, it's not coming in with like, an overtly critical angle, but I also still expect to, like, find out that there are unethical things happening and be willing to talk about them. But also, if I could find something to get me rich quick, like, that would be great. (laughs) I would love to do that. Anna sounds pretty confident, right? She's got a vision for the show, a point of view, and a plan. But, it turns out, beneath that confident exterior is someone who thinks that she has no business being in show business. 
Here's Anna with Casting Call senior producer Caitlin Baguki on her first day at Gimlet. Now that you're here, one of three Casting Call finalists, Ooh. do you feel like, oh yeah, I can see why I'm in the top three? <laughs> no. <laughs> More, especially when I first got here. Now I feel like I can I can feel myself improving and learning things. Uh, but when I got the call, I was kind of like, okay, if you're sure about that, I'll show up and do it. But I'm not so sure about that. Are you doubting my instincts, Anna? <laughs> I do. I think my trailer was good, but I was like, I think I fooled them. I think they think from the trailer that I know what I'm doing. I mean, there was 5,000 submissions. Certainly someone out there is going to think my idea was stupid and theirs is better and that something about me is annoying and doesn't deserve it. So I just, people like might tweet something mean about me, and I'm not ready for that. But still follow me on Twitter at Lad to the Bone. <laughs> Shameless plug. And shameless plug, follow me on Twitter at J underscore Goldstein. The underscore is the dash of excellence. Now our three finalists are busy transforming their ideas into pilots. And they're working hard to make them good because it's going to require a lot of grit and know-how to become the champ, short for champion, of casting call. We use a lot of slang around here. We have no time to waste. Champion? No! Champ! In the next three episodes, you'll get to hear how they each came together. There's Deborah's podcast, The Final Say. It's, it's an existential reality that there is a goodbye. There's no way out of that. And Natalie's podcast, Our Allowance. And I said, hey, mom, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, I have to leave my job. She's like, why are you leaving? This is everything we've fought for. This is, this is the pinnacle of success, right? And an exciting business opportunity from Anna. And I called my mom. And I, my mom, I was like, hey, mom. She's like, what's up? And I was like, mom, oh, my God, I think I joined a cult. But even at a prestigious venture-funded network like Gimlet, making a podcast isn't easy. And you're going to hear what goes into making these pilots sing. You know, ideas are a dime a dozen, and I know execution is key. I reach a point where I'm like, is this going to work? You're going to feel lost almost till the end. Now we're two companies deep and two, like, potential lawsuits deep. And I've only been here for a week. Three pilots and how they were made, coming up on Casting Call. Casting Call is a production from Squarespace and Gimlet Creative. This episode was produced by Max Gibson, Julia Batero, and Jorge Estrada. Our senior producer is Caitlin Baguki, and our editor is Devin Taylor. This episode was mixed by Katherine Anderson and Emma Munger. After you've listened to the Casting Call pilots, you can head over to castingcallshow.com to vote for your favorite. I'm Jonathan Goldstein. Goldstein, ooh.